Hey guys, Tony Palo here from Equipping for Life. I am here. I'm here to help you. I'm here to equip you. I'm here to coach you. I'm here to empower you. I'm here to teach you tactical tools to overcome. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we'll see you guys around. way to avoid stress, but you can navigate your way through stress. And today we're going to be going through um, some series of scriptures. And um, what the goal is today is I'm going to challenge your belief system. I'm going to challenge the way you think. I'm not going to contradict his word, but I'm going to contradict your understanding of his word. And I'm going to, con- and I'm going to challenge your perspective. All right? You've heard it said, there's another side to the story, but I'm going to add that there's one side of the story, there's two sides of the story, and then there's the truth. All right? That's really important. And, and, and some of you are going to be kind of upset with me today, and I'm okay with that as long as you're transformed. All right? Because I know some, sometimes we have this notion that just because we've believed something for 30 years that it's the truth. And then you set up a counseling session with me, and I come in, and I don't tell you what you're thinking is wrong. I just say, what does the Word of God say? And so that's what I'm going to do today is I'm going to challenge your process. I'm going to challenge your perspective. See, your perspective, we could see the same. See, reality is what you see. Perspective is how you see it. So we could see the same thing, but see it differently. My wife and I will go see a movie and see completely two different things. She'll ask me, Chuck, what's your favorite part of the movie, honey? I'm like, I like the fight scenes. I'm like, what's your favorite part of the movie, hon? Oh, the love story part of it. And so for us, we struggle to find a movie that has a lot of fighting and love. So guys, kind of help me out. Send me some messages on my Facebook page. If you can find that movie has more, my wife's here. So equal, 50-50. To see the same thing but see it completely different ways. I'm going to challenge your perspective. And we're going to look at two scriptures. One is in John chapter 14, and one is in, in John chapter 16. The, John chapter 14, 27 says it this way. Jesus says, listen, I'm leaving you a gift, and I love gifts. So when Jesus says, I'm leaving you a gift, I'm very much interested in this gift. This gift is peace of mind and heart. Everybody say Yes. My heart and my mind, that is a gift. And the peace that I give you is not a gift, a world, a gift that the world can give, but it's a peace that I give you is the kind of peace that the world is unable to give. So don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Don't panic. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't panic. And then he reads it, he, he, another scripture is in John chapter 16, verse 33. I mean, he's giving us a heads up. He says, listen, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I am going to overcome the very system that's responsible for your trouble, the world. He doesn't even address, he doesn't even say, oh, I'm going to overcome your troubles. He says, I'm going to overcome the world. Now, he's giving us a heads up. And I remember I was talking to somebody, and I, and I said, listen, the world is filled with, the world is, my wife just sent me a text message, a movie, Inception. <laughs> I don't remember that. I guess we got to watch it again. <laughs> 
So Jesus is giving you a heads up. So I remember my, I, I told, I, I, told uh, uh, I was telling somebody and I said, I said, listen, your life is going to be filled with troubles. And I said, and they said to me, don't speak that into my life, pastor. I'm like, it's scripture. She says, where do you get that from? I'm like, it's scripture. Life is filled with trouble. And if you've ever flown, you're at 30,000 feet and a pilot comes on and, and he says, we are at 30,000 feet, we're going to hit a pocket of turbulence, no problem, put your seatbelt on, we're going to get through this. And then we're fine, and then we hit the turbulence, and then we're kind of scared and surprised. Like, he told you what was going to happen. But it wasn't so much focusing on your troubles as much as it was focusing on the fact that he overcomes the world. So in looking through this this uh, um, notes and studying, and I asked Barbara Brady, who's a nurse, she was so kind and grateful and nice to give me all kinds of statistics and, and numbers and facts on stress. And the one thing that I, and I read that was that it, a Senate subcommittee in 1965 predicted that by the year 2000, that Americans would be working 20 hours a week. I mean, that's not even part-time. Part-time is like 30 to 35. They got that so wrong. And, and when I did the further research, they were saying, well, it's because of technology. It's going to be an advancement of technology and, and robots and anything that's going to make our life easier. Has it made our life easier? No. In fact, it's caused us more stress, these things. 20 hours a week. But in fact, America is the most stressed out nation in the world. That's America. We are the most stressed out nation in the world. When we go to Guatemala um, and we go to, they, they have siestas. I'm like, Jesus, I love that. And so I do a, I do a pastoral conference and, and they, so they would have me do it all day. And the problem is, is that I would do it. And then after lunch, I would do my, my conference and all the pastors are sleeping. And I found out about siesta. I'm like, let them have their siesta. They sleep an hour in the afternoon. Come on, somebody. Do you feel that? I feel the Holy Ghost all over that. Come on. It's like I take, tell my kids to take a nap, and it's like, it's like they've never went to bed before. It's like a, tr a trial. I'm like, America is the most stressed out nation in the world. We're, we're so, we, we are... We're the most burnt out. We have the most physical issues, and we, have, we spend the most money on our physical issues and sicknesses and illnesses. In fact, if you know anything about stress, stress is not a negative thing. Uh, uh, over, uncontrolled stress is. Because what stress does, controlled stress, is it sharpens your mind, right? When you take a test, you're, the night before, you're really focused and zoned in. When you go for a job interview, you're focused and zoned in. When, when, when you're driving and, and you have to swerve out of the way or press the jam the brakes, that's stress. And what stress does is it releases this cortisol, this, this, uh, this hormone into your body to respond to that level of stress, okay? And if you're in the medical field, you can kind of process along with me. The problem is, is that cortisol, that the, the cortisol is released into your body by the adrenal glands, and it helps you to a fight or flight response, and you're either going to fight or flight. I'll be honest with you, most of the time I like the fighting part. <laughs> I'm like, Let, let's do this, God. I don't like running, because God placed a call on my life. God has placed a call on your life. And the only thing you should be running from is sin. If you're running from a challenge, 
If you're running from a challenge, don't, don't do it. If you're running, see David, what happened? If, imagine if, you see, if David ran from Goliath, he'd never be king. And so what stress does to us is it, it, it releases this, these, the, uh, these hormones in our body to help us respond in a certain way. The problem is uncontrolled stress. Now, all of a sudden, we're constantly living in this chronic stress, and we're living under the constant load of these adrenal glands releasing cortisol, and we're, we're zoned in on the problem. We're zoned in on this stress, and we're zo- so zoned in, and a chronic elevated levels of cortisol create serious issues in our bodies. High blood pressure, anxiety, cholesterol, sugar, produces acne, obesity, singles. Co- elevated, see what happens is I'm in a stressful situation, my cortisol levels are off the chart. I get out of the stressful situation, my cortisol levels are still off the chart. Because what happens, your body responds to stress, and your, your, all, those, all, all those adrenal glands are releasing all these hundreds of hormones into your body. And for you then, you can, that, your body identifies that as normal. And you stay at that level. And even elevated levels of cortisol in your, in your body causes you to lose, to lose sleep. And then we go to our doctor. I go to my doctor, and, and I have white coat syndrome. Anybody have that? You know what that is? You see a white coat, and you go, ah, and your blood pressure goes off the chart. So that's me. So I sit there. I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm like, Whew. takes my blood pressure. It's like 150 over 85. I'm like, leave. Come back in five minutes. So the doctor leaves. I go into a yoga position. I float. I meditate. I think about Jesus. I think about a, a, an island somewhere, hanging out, reading my Bible, and then the doctor comes back, and my blood pressure is 118, 118 over 79. They go, how do you do that? I said, I just, I just think about Jesus, and then they laugh. I'm like, I'm, I, this, that's exactly what I do. But the reality is, every single person here is probably under stress. But the, the, the important part of the stress, and we're going to address stress, but the primary point of, of this morning's message is we're going to address your perspective. See, stress is not an event. Stress is a perspective. It's how you see the event. So this morning, I came up with the definition. Just this morning, last night's service, didn't get this definition. Perspective is a a series of filters that you adopt into your life. It is a series of filters that you adopt into your life and adapt into your life through a basic, through a a series of experiences that you have. Good or bad, you begin to pick up these filters into your life. I'll give you an example, okay? If you've been bullied your entire life, no matter the the environment that you're in, you're always going to feel bullied even when you're not, okay? Because if you have victimized eyeballs, you're a victim. I'm a victim. But you're not a victim of your experiences. You're a victim of your own process and your thought life. Everybody here has had something bad happen to them. But you know what? I'm redeemed. I'm a son of God. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. And so we got to get over this whole thing, boo-hoo-hoo, and stop looking for pity and walk in power. I know a lot of people would, would love to have, oh, you're going to be okay. Come on, stop that nonsense. That happened 30 years ago. Get over it. I love you. You love me. Everybody love me? Even if you don't, I'm just going to still preach anyway. So, 
That's the word. I'm having fun. Are you having fun? I'm having fun already. Anyway, let's get, into, let's get back into the track here. See, when your body is living under a constant load of... See, perspective is a filter of your eyes. So all of these sequence of events have happened to me, causing me now to pick up these filters and apply them to see how I see things. Okay? God's not going to change what you see. He's going to change how you see it, thereby making different decisions. And you say, God, thank you for changing my environment. God says, I didn't change your environment. I changed the way you see your environment, causing you to make different decisions, causing your environment to change. You're asking, how did this happen? Well, you made that decision, and that's how it happened. And today, God is going to give us a new prescription lens. Some of you need bifocals. <laughs> See, your perspective is your prescription. You, you want change? See, when you go to your doctor, he'll give you medicine to address the, the fruit. When you go see the Lord, he gives you medicine to address the root. This is important. The fruit of, your, the fruit of what you see, the fruit of your life comes from the root of what you believe. Fruit always comes from root. If you got rotten fruit, check the root. The doctor will give you medicine for your fruit, your symptom. God will give you medicine to address the root. Some of you come with the shiny side up and turn that apple around and it's rot, you got rotted spots on your life. It's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside. Jesus said, you can clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of a cup is dirty. And some of you have tried so hard to clean the out, outside of the cup when what God wants to do is completely change the inside of your heart. Change your perspective. It's not what you see, it's how you see it. And your stress level has to do with what you believe. Absolutely. Perspective, definition. Give you this definition. Perspective is outlook, point of view, position, frame of reference, frame of mind, stance, angle. You know, when people say, hey, you know what? What's your angle? Impression, and I love this part of the definition of, of perspective, impression, because it's like instead of the, your circumstances having impression on you, I, in my belief system, am going to have an impression on my circumstances. This is the life of a Christian. This is the life of a disciple, to make that impact in your world. And you see, perspective is a people, is, and you feed your perspective every single morning. Your role is to feed what you believe. And that's why it's important who you hang around with. If you are on fire for God and somebody is looking to douse that fire and speak negativity into your life, then you say, you have to go because where I'm going, you're not headed. Oh, Pastor, that's so mean. That's so mean. Well, you got to be mean sometimes just to stay saved. You can't be in my life. I love you, but go over there. Well, who's going to minister to them? Somebody else. Because my pathway is too important here. We got we to gotta celebrate. We got to hang around with people who celebrate what God is doing. Now, it's not so much what, what, to agree with you, but to agree what God is doing in your life. You want to celebrate. You want to hang out with people that when you walk into a room, they go, Matt, come on, let's give a hand for Matt. He's in the house today. We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. And if I'm heading in my purpose and my potential with the Lord and someone is trying to sabotage my walk with God, you got to go. But some of us, we embrace, why do, you know, if you got poison on your tongue, 
And I, you know, it's so important when, when we develop a per- perspective because people who gossip love to tarnish your perspective. And I don't care what they said about me. I, really don't. I just want to know what you said to make them feel comfortable to say to what they said about me. Perspective. I'm going to feed my perspective. And you know what the most important time to feed my perspective? First 30 seconds in my morning before the kids are up because I'm up early. Let's, maybe your breakthrough needs to be that you stop sleeping in. I wasn't part of my message. I just... <laughs> You want God, but you won't get up at 6 o'clock just to say hello to God. So the first 30 seconds of my day. And this almost sounds elementary and so, so third graders, because when I hang out with my pastor friends, they go, yeah, I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I, I prophesy for 30 minutes. I declare for 30 minutes. I, I dance in the spirit for 30 minutes. I pray for 30 minutes. I sit. I'm like, me, I just get up and sit on the side of my bed. I'm like, God, Jesus, I just need you today. Jesus, I love you. Um, thank you for your goodness in my life. I, I, I want to dedicate my life to you today, and everything is done to be glorified. It sounds so like, like man, it sounds so third gradish. It doesn't sound professional. It doesn't sound very theological. But what I'm doing is I'm feeding my perspective so that when everybody, when you allow your perspective to be fed, you see things not the way you see them, but you see things the way God sees them. And this is why, how in the world can Jesus be on the same boat sleeping with men on the same boat panicking? How can there be two different groups of people, Jesus sleeping and the men panicking? You know why? Because Jesus' perspective was kingdom perspective, and in the kingdom, there are no storms. But I think we prematurely classify things as a crisis or as a storm, and, and God is like, oh, actually, it's not a crisis. It's just an opportunity for you to experience the supernatural in your life. Just, just be careful the words that you use. There's life and there's death and the power of the tongue. Whatever you speak out will come back and visit you. I don't want to hear from your mouth, oh, cancer runs in my family. My mom died of that cancer. My grandmother died of my ca- cancer. My grandfather died of that cancer. You have that cancer? Oh, I'll be praying for you. Oh, no, you won't. Cancer don't run in my family. You know what runs in my family? The favor of God. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what runs in my family. And there are times you be careful who prays for you. When people pray for me and lay hands on me, I do this. Take your hand off. Because just last night, you were saying, Pastor Tony, blah, 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 and you want to pray for me? No, thank you. Don't want poison next to me. I want perspective. I want kingdom perspective. And Jesus says, I'm leaving you a gift. And this is so amazing. He says, I'm leaving you a gift. What's the gift? The gift, I would like to think of the gift because I like gifts. I would like to think of a gift when I think of peace, immediately I think of a feeling. And most of us would think, I'll have the feeling of peace. But Jesus is saying, even when we see the, the word written by Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6, he, he said, and it's a Christmas message, it's for unto us a, a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called, wonderful counsel, prince of peace, everlasting father. Key thing is prince of peace. 
And, and the key thing there is that his name, it's not what he does, it's who he is. So the Prince of Peace, and you know what's interesting about this passage, because I have the other letters, the other words smaller, because I want to focus on Prince of Peace here today. The, uh, the interesting thing about this passage, it's talking about Jesus, and it, everything is capitalized, right? You see, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Everything's capitalized. And if you ever talk to a Jehovah's Witness, they ever come to your door? A couple of times. So I like when they come to my door, because with the Jehovah's Witnesses, what they've done is they've taken our Bible and removed every reference of Jesus being God. They removed every reference, but they forgot to remove one reference from their Bible. Guess what reference that is? Isaiah 9, 6. So when they come to my door, I say, oh, you're a Jehovah Witness? I'm a Jehovah Witness too. I witness for Jehovah. Turn to your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Turn to your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And they turn, and then they read that. And in their Bible, it's capitalized. Wonderful counselor, mighty capital G God. I go, who are they talking about? They go, oh, they're talking about Jesus. I says, but God is capitalized. And they go, and they look down the street because there's always a supervisor down the street. I says, go get your supervisor. Have them come to my door, and they never come. So, but that's a side note. That's free information for you to use. Jesus, when he says Prince of Peace, it's not what he does. He says, his name is Peace. But not only just peace, he's a prince. He's the expert at giving out peace. So now, the prince of peace lives inside of my heart. So the next time you come to the altar and say, Pastor, I just need peace. You have Jesus, you have peace. What you need is your eyeballs to be healed. What you need is for your perspective to change I am inhabited. And Jesus says it's a gift. A couple of statistics I wanted to share with you. 75% of our doctor's visits are a result of uncontrolled, uncontrolled stress. Snap. 75% of your doctor's visits. This is why majority of the times you go, doctor didn't do anything for me. Because doctors are trained. Years ago, doctors were trained holistically. They went for the root. Nowadays, doctors are trained for the fruit. Let's give you a medicine to help you this. Let's give you a medicine to help you that. How about the root? No, we'll deal with the fruit. And this is why perspective-wise, uncontrolled stress can... can affects every aspect of your life, including your sleep, because cortisol makes you jumpy, jumpy to respond to a crisis. But the problem is, is you continue to be jumpy and you can't sleep. You go to your doctor and the doctor, the doctor, the doctor uh, 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 prescribes you a medication. He, di he diagnoses not the root, he diagnoses the fruit. He says, you have a sleep apnea, you have a sleeping disorder. And what does the doctor do? He gives you a machine to wrap around your head to help you sleep instead of addressing the root. God, what is the root of the issue in my life? And the problem is, those, that's a powerful prayer. The problem is, is that when God shows you the root, which is ugly and stink, we run because we're afraid. But we have to look at the root from the perspective of the grace of God. 
We have to look at the root of our issues from the perspective that God wants you whole. This is what this is about, to make you whole. In fact, he needs you whole. And, and that's a, a whole is a mathematical term. When you think of a whole number, we go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. When we think of a fraction, we think of a third, we think of half, we think of three quarters, we think of an eighth, a sixteenth. That's a fractured number, something that's been broken. But God wants you whole, not fractured, not broken. He wants you to spend more of your energy working on your next assignment than more of your than having your energy spent on being healed. You've been healed. I prophesy over you that you've been healed, that you've been whole, so that you can spend the majority of your time saying, God, what's next? God, what do I do next? Instead of instead of going backwards, instead of constantly being rescued. See, constantly being rescued is a symptom of being broken. I don't know why this is always happening to me. The devil is always after me. No, it's you making those same silly decisions. How about another statistic? We got this one. 75%. Let that sink in for a minute. Another statistic says 80% of our illnesses that plague us today are a direct result of our process, of our perspective. I said, so I said, no, that's too high. So I did the research and, and I found anywhere from 70 to 99%. That's no bueno. 80% of our illnesses are a result of what hap happens here. So Jesus comes into this scene. He says, I'm giving you a gift. Peace of mind, peace of heart. Now the heart, the mind, he's, he's not talking about the brain. He's talking about a spirit, a spiritual heart. He's not talking about the real heart, although it would benefit the real heart. And so the peace that he talks about is not a feeling, it's a position. It's not how I'm feeling that morning or that day, because Paul did say that we walk by faith and not by sight. Which means that we have to temporarily ignore what's happening around us and really go by what the word of the Lord is telling us to do at that moment. So it's not a feeling, it's a position, it's a slant. And even living in fear, living in fear triggers over 1,400 known physical and emotional ailments in our bodies. Fear. For people who are struggling with fear this morning, you know what I'm going to tell you? You know what I tell people? I'm living in fear. I say, just stop it. Because when I say just stop it, there's no, well, I just have to have counseling for 31 and a half, three quarter years, and I'm going to be fine. No, just think of how much money you save. Because the Bible says, I've not given you a spirit of fear. Oh, okay. It's just like going to a doctor and him, it's like you have the spiritual cataracts and they remove the cataracts. Instantly you see a difference. You go, wow, I can see colors now. So God wants to remove the spiritual cataracts so that you could see if you're struggling with fear, stop it. Based on what you know about the word already, you have enough information to make the next decision be one filled with victory.
based on what you know about the word. But what happens is, is people, we get, we get so entrenched in our mindset. We are so sick in our bodies and we're so dysfunctional in our minds that we, we almost, we, in some sort of pseudo way, we invite the prospect of change, but not really. Because if, if I'm going to be healed, that means I have to change. And I can't think the way I used to think. I remember when we lived in Ohio, I was pastoring in Ohio. I prayed for a lady. She got healed. And two weeks later, she, called, she, calls me and being, she calls me angry at me. I'm like, what's going on? She goes, you prayed for me and I got healed. I'm like, praise God. But I no longer get my SSI. I went to my doctor and I got a good clean bill of health. I'm like, that's awesome. You're 41 years old. You can get a job. I don't want to get a job. <laughs> I'm like... Well, sorry you got healed. <laughs> she was on the board. No, I'm just kidding. She wasn't on the board. <laughs> I'm like, see, this is, and this is why Jesus said in the book of John to the man who was sick for 40 years, he, he didn't say, let's get you healed. He asked him, do you want to get healed? And usually it would be yes or no. But what did he do? He started coming out with his victim complaining excuses. And what happens, you've been entrenched in this dysfunctional perspective for so long and you resist the promises of God coming towards you and you've been so entrenched in, these, in this dysfunctional thinking and when somebody rubs up against you the wrong way, the pus of your past comes oozing out. And nobody wants to hang around with you. Why? Because you're difficult to be around. How many times? If you have five people say, you are difficult to talk to. Hello, get a clue. Spend time with the Lord in the morning and say, God, what do you need to change in my life? After service, were you looking at me? I'm going to say, yes. <laughs> Don't look at them now. Don't look at them now. <laughs> I love you. I'm having fun. You having fun? <laughs> Keep smiling. So numbers, a couple of scriptures. I'm going to throw some scriptures at you. We're going to reverse the trend. We're going to, reverse this. We're going to revert, completely reverse the culture that we've adapted into our minds. We've, we've skated channels into our spirits that are completely off. And God is saying it's time to clean the ice and start all over again. Numbers chapter 6 verse 26 says this. And I love this passage. There's a couple of ways to, there's a couple of ways to read this. The, in the NIV it says, the Lord lift his face towards you and give you peace. Another version says, his countenance, which, which, is, almost, which is almost like God, like the sun going, turning his face towards you. And anytime someone turns their face, you have undivided attention. The revelation of that person is right there. The revelation of who that person is. So it's like God is turning his face and you're getting a Holy Spirit suntan. Boom. And he's going to give you peace. What God is doing. You ever talk to your kids and you're like, stop the craziness and just, and this is what I do. I go, Matt, I do this to adults too. Matt, I'm right here. Be focused. Talk to me. I'm right here. I do that, and then I do practice slap, counts, slap therapy, too. I haven't done it in a while. It's great. It's like God is saying, focus on me right here, because I am going to give you peace. Another passage, another scripture is this one next. So this is my favorite passage out of in the entire Bible, Psalm 4, 8. I will lie down in peace and sleep. Oh. Barbara showed me a, a, a scientific study called mindfulness. And the practice is 
in, in, the, in, the, in the scientific world is to stop in a quiet room, breathe, sit down, be still, and just clear your mind. And I'm like, I can think about a couple of scriptures to, to, to back that up. You know, it, it, my favorite is be still, know that I am God. We don't know he's God because we don't be still. Because we're trying to be God, doing things that he's supposed to be doing and can't do at all, but doing an awful way, doing awful presentation of, 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 of imitation. When he says, just be, stop it. Stay still. Time out. You're grounded. And why do we ground our children? Well, just when you think of an electric, electrical term, you, you ground somebody to, to provide a stable base. Safe. You're grounded. Think about what you're doing. So, God is grounding you today. Just to think about the craziness that we have stirred up in our perspective. But David says in Psalm 4, he says, I'm going to confirm my peace by affirming my sleep. Another passage, Psalm 58, 18. He says, he has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. So we're not only talking about the battles against us, but we're talking about the battles inside of us. And there are unnecessary battles that we are fighting. And what needs to happen today, this afternoon, is we need to detox from our own poisonous thoughts. And again, we are not victims of our circumstances, but we are victims of our own thought process. We got nobody to blame but ourselves. Psalm 119, 165 says it this way. I love this. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing will cause them to be offended. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And so David says, I'm going to love your law, and I'm going to have great peace. And when I love your law and have great peace, I'm not going to be the kind of person that I'm, I'm offended. Pastor, i got to let you know, I'm offended. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. I mean, there's only one passage of Scripture that has to do with offense in the New Testament. Psalm, I mean, uh, Matthew 18. That is it. That is it. David is saying, I find this as my perspective. I find this as my base. I find this as my foundation. And being offended, you know what? Personally, I don't have time to be offended because I have five kids. I don't have time to be offended because there are people dying and going to hell. So I'm trying to not to make this about my feelings and make this about mission. Jesus was offended a couple of times, but he didn't make it about his feelings. I'm sure he was offended when he was crucified. But he put his feelings aside. That's what we need to do. Can we do that? Put our feelings aside? <laughs> Pastor, you had me until that point. <laughs> Next, Isaiah 26. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. So we're going to focus. Some of you have all kinds of physical ailments, and you're taking all kinds of medications and, 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 uh, and pills. And, and I'm, not, I'm not against pills. Some of you should stay on your pills, believe me. I'm not against any of that. I am against when we take a physical advice to address a spiritual problem. 
I'm completely against that. And if you're part of that 80% that you got neck ache, back aches, headache, migraine, right over here, over here, wherever it is, whatever it is that you're going through, address it from a prescription base and may this prescription change your perspective. Jesus said, I'm giving you a gift. Nobody else is going to give you this gift. So address the system that releases problems and troubles in your life. So what if that, that thing that you're doing, that thing that you're taking is addressing a, a, a root problem that could be healed in a spiritual manner? What if you're one of those people that you say, God, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to receive this gift. My Savior determines my stance. My peace determines my pace. Whatever happens in this covenant is going to determine how I walk with God every single day. And, and I have to do this every morning. I'm not doing t- preaching because I've arrived. I'm preaching it because I'm walking it. And I want you to walk it with me together. And if you hear this and you go home and do the same thing, nothing will ever change, which is the definition of insanity. Nothing will ever change. So switch it up some and get over that process of thinking that you've been married to for so long and it's scary to change because then you can't talk like a victim. Now you got to take responsibility. See, victims don't get anything accomplished. Victims stay back there. And I've had to leave people in my life that were victims back here. And I didn't feel like much of a Christian because I helped them up 501 times and they just wanted to stay down. When somebody wants to stay down, they don't want help. They want to drag you down with them. If somebody wants to stay down, you will be in the mud with them. So you got to have discernment saying this person don't want to be healed. This person likes being a victim. This person likes, it's okay. I don't want pity. I want to walk in power. I don't want pity. I want your prayers. Let's do this in victory. God needs you whole. Some of you are broken looking for a miracle. And Jesus says, I gave you the miracle. I hung on the cross and I said, it is finished. I said, it's done. I said, I'm giving you a gift. The Prince of Peace is living inside of you. Don't you ever say another complaint ever, ever, ever again. See, I've, not, I, I, I've, I've conditioned my mind. I wish I could say I don't panic because that would be a lie. But I've conditioned my mind to say, I'm not going there. I'm not going to declare something, and that's something that I declared to come and visit me. The Bible says there's life and death and the power of the tongue. And, it's, and it also talk, talks about the next scripture is that we end up eating the fruit thereof. So when you declare promise and declare the blessings of God, and when you eat of the fruit thereof, it's going to be sweet. But if you declare negativity and you look out the window and say, today's going to be an awful day, well, then today's going to be an awful day. Why? Because you said it. Then you're going to eat the fruit thereof, and it's going to be bitter. It's going to be awful. And it's not going to match up with what God says that he has for you. So today, God's going to change our prescription lenses. And you know what we're going to do for several moments? We're going to spend time. You okay over there, Caitlin? (laughs) And, And what God is going to... What God wants to do for the next several minutes 
is he wants you to find a quiet moment. Okay? Don't ask for anything. This is about healing. This is about wholeness. This is about surgery. We need surgery. We need, we need a visit. We need a doctor's visit. We need urgent care. We need a, we're, we're always running to the ER. Oh, why? We're always running to the doctor. My left nostril's leaking. I'm going to run to the doctor. It's like, man, take a nap. Check in. Feeling concerned. Don't be that person. <laughs> Victims don't want prayer. Victims want you to agree with their condition. This is important. What do victims get? Well, victims continue to get their check. Because if they get healed, then they have to take responsibility. This is important. Some of you are upset. But you know what? This is, this, is, this, is, this, this is a matter of life and death. This is a matter, this is a matter of you reaching, reaching your potential or you're staying in the pit. He's redeemed me from the pit, and I ain't staying down there. I'm moving ahead. My windshield's this big. My rearview mirror's this big. I'm moving forward. I ain't going back. No two-step. Well, how's life? Two steps forward and one step back. Not for me, my friend. And if I'm going to make a mistake and fall, I'm going to advance while I'm doing it. <laughs> Father, I thank you for these incredible group of men and women, men and women of God here today, Lord, that have come here expecting a revelation of your word, that have come here today needing promise, needing faith, needing favor. And I thank you for the prescription the prescriptive power of your word. If we could just text me. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious, Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing. I remember when I first started going for, my, I was working my master's degree in clinical counseling, and I, and, uh, I, I worked at this secular agency and for some reason, whether I worked at a secular agency or in a church, they somehow sent clients who had anxiety disorder to me. And they would say, because I was young, I, and they would say, oh, no, you're really good at working with people with anxiety disorder. I was like, oh, really? Okay. I, I was like, oh. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But I realized with, with anxiety and panic and stress, it's, it's a cyclical thinking. And once you get trapped into that cycle, it does this. It's a cycle thing, which is back in the early 1900s, people started doing this. That person was crazy. Well, we're all crazy because we get trapped into that cycle. But if we get trapped into one cycle, that means I can get trapped into another. I want to be trapped in this one. I, I, I want to be consumed by, by this. So one time a lady was talking in my office and she was de describing her symptoms and she was saying, you see, I'm having an anxiety attack right now. Can you see? Look, I'm having one right now. And I said to her, just stop it. And she went, she goes, wow, that really worked. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, I'm a professional. So I have this theory on stop it theory. I wrote a book. <laughs> no, just, just, Jesus said, I've given you a gift. Stop it. 
So today, what's going to happen when it comes to these altars, you can find a place, front row, somewhere, side, in the front, and just, Jesus, I need you. Pretend like you're in the third grade and you're praying third grade prayers. Jesus, I just want you in my life. Pretend like you're a helpless child and say, God, I, I just need to have you in my life every day. Pretend like you're not, you're not so skilled with resources and you're professional at plan B and, and you're able to come up with creative administrative results. Pretend you got nothing. Jesus, I just need you today. And I need a revelation of your peace. Today, let's start a revolution. A revolution of peace. A revolution of anti-anxiety. Anti-chronic stress. Anti-panic. I'm against those things. Anti-fear. I'm against that. No longer are we going to pray for people to be delivered from fear. He's not giving you the spirit of fear. Okay, then I'm not going to live in fear. It's that easy. Change your mind. Change your perspective. Changing of your lenses. God's giving you a new prescription. A prescription. And this revolution will include a revelation. That every day you wake up and say, God, in my simple way, I just need you. That in the next week we can practice just breathing. That in the next week we could just practice just being. That in the next week we could just practice before we step out of the door, we go, God, before I put my keys inside my car, just want to remind me that I belong to you. I'm no longer going to pray for peace. Now I'm thanking you for peace. Knowing that scientific research of mindfulness, God marked that corner. He cornered that market years ago. Just be still and breathe. You know, if you just be still and breathe five times, Science says that your blood pressure begins to regulate. So, Lord, may we have 120 over 80 right now. Boom. We're carrying things we're not designed to carry so that we can carry what we're supposed to carry. His burden is light, yoke is easy. I'll carry this. I'll be overwhelmed with God and underwhelmed with life. Thank you for peace. And Lord, we enter into this counseling session this morning with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, because he's a wonderful counselor. And we want to listen to you and do everything you say. We promise we'll be a good client. Thank you for your help. I'm going to open these altars. Would you come? Would you come? Find a corner. Find a spot. Find a place in the front. Find a place. So you could just be you and Jesus and actually pretend that Andy's playing the piano just for you. There's nobody else around. The world practices yoga. We practice meditating on the promises of God. The world says empty yourself out. We say fill yourself up with Christ. 
push aside all distractions. Focus on Jesus. Feed our perspective who Jesus is.